0: What's up, everybody? It's Bo here with another Tolkien TV talk. We've got another episode of Rings of Power, and as I mentioned last week, I was definitely in the midst of COVID, and so I had the COVID brain. In fact, as I was watching this episode, I was a little lost at first because I was like, man, I think I missed that we were at this point where... There were enough folks ready to kind of rock and roll all the way over to Middle Earth from Numenor. So we're leaving Numenor and we're finally headed to Middle Earth. Or at least some of our characters are. Our main characters are. I mean, like, look, it's a Sealdor, okay? It's a Sealdor and his dad. Kind of critical players. And then also uh, Galadriel, also very critical player. And then also Pretty Boy Dude, who's rocking his best Aragorn cosplay. Now, Aragorn, I don't think comes from this guy because Aragorn is a Door's heir right? So this guy, this guy, let's talk about this guy for a second. Uh, Is he going to be the witch king or is he going to be something more? Is he going to be Sauron? That was kind of what I was assuming at the beginning, I was like, oh, well, maybe this is actually going to be Sauron. And and like, you know, it's this whole thing where he's rock and rolling with Galadriel and she's trying to hunt this guy down, but he's been with her the whole time. And then as we start getting some of his background, it does seem like, okay, well, no, he's going to be like the leader of all these kings, which means he'll probably be the witch king, right? And that makes sense. And perhaps even this artifact that we see in this other plot line might be the weapon of the Witch King. And so even though we're hunting down Sauron, it seems like we might be leading to, you know, kind of this origin story for this sub-tier villain to some extent. I don't know if that's still the case or not. I mean, we know that that artifact, as explained this episode, is more of like a key than a specific weapon we should be on the lookout for. I mean, it's clearly a weapon, but at the same time, it doesn't necessarily seem to be tied specifically to the Witch King. So I don't think that's the case anymore. But yeah, regardless, I'm still, thinking, I'm still thinking that he's going to be the Witch King. I mean, that just seems to make the most sense to me. But this episode did really play into that notion of somebody is probably Sauron or somebody's going to become Sauron. So, you know, we got some candidates. Who knows who it could be? It could be this guy. Or some people are speculating it could be the kid that is definitely, but maybe not, but probably the child of the elf and the lady. I, I don't think that's the case. I don't I don't see that being the situation here. I really feel like their story is more to tell this origin story for Mordor. We know that they're gonna the southern kingdoms are going to become essentially split into Gondor and Mordor. And so what we're seeing is really the beginnings of that divide. We even heard with the evil elf dude while he was talking about like the sun, right? Like, oh, I'm gonna miss the sun. Well, the sun, you're not gonna see the sun much once Mordor is established. And now that I'm thinking about it, they talk about the weapon that the kid's been having as a key. What if that's the key to, like, unlock Mount Doom or, like, to activate Mount Doom? Because, like, once that volcano goes off, that's clearly going to redefine the landscape, which is going to essentially establish what will be the kingdom of Mordor. We do see that the human uh, nation is split into this kind of pro-Sauron, anti-Sauron kind of group. And you do kind of see the formation of what will eventually be Mordor and what will eventually be Gondor, just in this divide. So the political intrigue of this one little tiny tribe is actually becoming something of a uh, pretty grand importance in the long, you know, longevity of the series as a whole. I, you know, I mentioned uh, back when dwarves started showing up. I'm, I'm a big, I'm a sucker for dwarves. I love the dwarves. I love the dwarven culture. I love the whole, you know, the 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 just extreme difference between the dwarves and the elves and, and kind of the tensions that rub up there. Uh, the dinner sequence that we had where Duran is sitting here talking to the elf king. And he's like, talk about the table and everything else. And I just, I, it was classic. I loved that. I liked how he was like, you know, dodging these questions and then finally like points out like they're, you know, cultural faux pas, which was clearly a lie. And yet they couldn't call him out on it because of genteel and union here. I thought it was great. And they made him, he made him like carry it all the way home too, which is just fantastic. This idea that Mithril is going to somehow be an ability for the elves to maintain their immortality. Now, I, I don't know a lot about the lore around this as Mithril uh, in the relation to the elves. I know that it was a powerful ore. I know that it was something that the dwarves sought after. Obviously, they dug so deep that they unearthed the Balrog. So, like, by digging the Mithril, by continuously mining the Mithril, it's going to cause the destruction of that kingdom as a whole. Uh, but not for a couple of generations, if I'm not mistaken. So I mean, like, maybe, maybe this was the case. I just don't know. It's interesting. It adds an interesting wrinkle into the whole story and the whole plot line, because there was always this mindset that like, oh, the dwarves were so greedy because they they kept on digging and they didn't know when to stop. Well, if we're adding this whole thing that they were also being pushed by the elves, that's kind of interesting. I mean, like, that does kind of put the responsibility for the fall of Mordor, not just on the dwarves, but on the elves as well. And yet I don't think that's going to be the case. I like Mithril as it relates to kind of like an arms race between the dwarves and the elves. Uh, This notion that, you know, it does kind of put a lot of responsibility in Duren's hands. I like that he was reveling in that. I thought that was really great. Um, yeah. So we'll, we'll see what ends up happening. I I guess overall though, I'm kind of disappointed because I thought that what we were really like leading up to was the creation of the rings. Like this is the rings of power, right? Like, wouldn't we be leading up to the creation of the rings? In fact, that, that dude, you know, the nice guy, like, like the nice elf guy. Like I thought that he, that that he was the one that's supposed to forge the rings. In fact, I know that he's supposed to forge the rings. So maybe he uses Mithril. I don't know. I'm just, uh, I'm just wondering when, you know, I could use a few more rings in the rings of power if you know what I mean. So we'll see what happens there. Okay, and then finally we've got uh, are the Harfoots and this guy that might be Gandalf, might be Sauron, you know? There's that kind of uh, blink and you miss it kind of cult that comes to the crater where one imagines he fell or someone else fell looking for him. We don't know what their deal is. But uh, yeah, this, this one uh, giant, not giant, but uh, wizard essentially that is with the Harfoots. Is it Gandalf or is it not? I'm still of the mindset that it's probably Gandalf, but I suppose there is a possibility that this could be Sauron. Like it's very possible that this could, in fact, be Sauron. I liked the conversation that he was having with uh, the child, like with the little Harfoot girl, and she was saying, like, "No, you're good, you're good." He's like, "Me good? I'm not. I'm not dangerous. I'm good." So they really could go either way with that. I'm, I'm kind of fascinated. Admittedly, this is too early for Gandalf to show up in the story. So could this have actually been Sauron the entire time? I don't know. Kind of cool. All right, well, we'll see where they end up going with it. A lot of stuff that's going on. A lot of, a lot of names of places and everything else. Overall, you know, I, I said before, I've got to do the comparison between this and House of the Dragon. I got to admit, I am enjoying House of the Dragon way more than I'm enjoying Rings of Power. That could change. I think the the more we get deeper into Middle-Earth and further away from kind of more of the fringe stuff, like, Numenor is cool. Like, the setting is cool. The characters, you know, the cool characters and the, the, the set design and the, you know, the costumes and, you know. But, like, kind of want to get back to the action. You know what I mean? Like, let's let's get back to the action. And more dwarf stuff. And also, where's the pipes? Okay, there's just a... See, there's like all these little things. I just... uh, I don't know. I don't know. Let me know what your thoughts You like where everything's going? Uh, Use the hashtag TolkienTVTalk. You can find all of our contact information and more at TVTalk.fm. That's going to do it for me for today. But don't worry. I'll be back in a flash. Sick of being upsold at gyms?